When people hit me up for advice, I say, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear or do you want the truth? Welcome. What up? To the Habits of the Few. What we got for them? Where we discuss habits, rituals, and mindset tactics that you can use to reach your version of success. Yeah. And now, here's your host, Mona Bolsi. What, what made you decide to start another company other than the fact that it's probably your nature as an entrepreneur, but uh, did you find like, was there, was there, um, were you trying to fill a need? Was this something that you're passionate about? I'm just crazy. I'm just, right. no, <laughs> I just don't know when to stop. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that, that's really it. You know, it was yeah. uh, 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 everything you just said is it, kind of all, all together, man. It, it's like, um, I've been, I've been building businesses for shoot 20, 27 years now. Yeah. So it's just, it's just kind of in my bloodstream that if I, if I get an idea or I, I see an opportunity or I see, you know, I was always taught like, man, if you, if you can, uh, if you can find a gaping hole and then fill it better than anybody else, you know, you kind of write your own ticket. So I'm, I'm always kind of looking for the next, you know, the next thing or the next opening, you know, or, you know, if I see something and it makes sense and if it's something that we can attack, then, you know, I try, I kind of go after it. That's awesome. So that, I, I'd, I'd appreciate that. So, um, what kind of things are you having to go through right now, day to day in the midst of this chaotic world that we're living in to be able you to know, succeed? It is, it is, it's different, man. The world is different. For me, you know, when, when we first had to hit the reset button because of COVID, you know, I have been traveling every week for the last, you know, over, you know, maybe almost two decades, man. So it was like every week I was somewhere, I was in another city, I was speaking on stage somewhere, I was doing something. So it was really strange at first, but then I kind of, I kind of liked the lockdown for a minute there <laughs> for uh, after, after I realized, okay, I'm, I'm locked in the house. I, I can't go anywhere. It really gave me a chance to do like, it was the first time ever I cleaned the garage. Like I personally cleaned my own garage, you know, because <laughs> I was like, I could do stuff around the house that I guess, you know, normal people do that, uh, that I really have never done. And, and then I found myself, uh, you know, I, I've always had this habit of reading. I read at least 15 pages of a book every single day, no matter what. It's, it became a habit of mine. But I found myself, you know, going through, you know, books, like instead of 15 pages, I'm reading, you know, 500. I mean, I'm like devouring information because I never really had that kind of time. You know, so, so, so a lot of, a lot of good came out of that. It gave me a chance. I really got into meditation with my wife, uh, you know, focused in on, you know, every, every morning we got these new rituals around gratitude and, and, you know, uh, our, our get to do list, you know, stuff like that. So, so it was, it was a good, good change for me. Um, unfortunately, you know, I had, I had, uh, a, a chain of ice cream, restaurants still have it, but a couple of them had to be shut down just because, you know, landlords didn't want to work with us. And, you know, when the government tells you you can't open up your ice cream restaurant and it's already thin margins to begin with, it was like, okay, you know, we, we didn't have a choice there. We still have, we still have a few others that, that, that stayed open and are now, are now moving pretty well. Uh, my, my private jet company, SetJet, that we were an investor in, you know, that, that had a rough couple of months, you know, that was, that was uh, on thin ice for a minute there. And now it's booming, you know, so you never know. Things can turn around so fast. So, and, I, and, I, and because I do so, many, so much uh, consulting and I work so much in the home-based business arena, teaching people how to work from home, 
all of that exploded, man. That's, that just exploded during that time. Still is. I think now the, the mindset is people are catching on. You can work from virtually anywhere today. Like you're at home today. Uh, I'm at home today. It's what is a Tuesday afternoon. Most people would be, you know, at work, you know, and, and things are changing, man. And I, I love it because I did a post today, a little cartoon thing. And you know, I remember when I first was, you know, working from home, partly because nobody would hire me because I was a bum, you know, I had no education, two felonies. I, I just, you know, I wasn't, you know, no, nobody wanted to give me a, a decent job. I was a janitor. I didn't want to be a janitor anymore. I was, I, I was a bum for a long time. And I wanted to make changes. Entrepreneurship was the only way to do it. And so, you know, when I got offered an opportunity to, to participate in a home-based business, man, I was like, okay, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to, you know, be in your business? And, and I found out pretty quickly that I got paid in direct proportion to the value that I brought. So if I didn't do anything, if I sat home all day on the couch and did nothing, well, I didn't get paid anything. But when I started catching on to, you know, you know, simple disciplines every single day, a lot of these philosophies that were taught to me through, through mentors that came into my life over the years, it changed everything. So the home-based business environment exploded. You know, they, used to, they used to think I was crazy. Now today, you're, you're almost looked at crazy if you got a job. You know what I mean? The, the, the tide is, is shifting in a big way. So it's interesting to see. <laughs> I agree 100%. I remember, I remember like online businesses, I just, just, just saying those words to like my family, they would look at me like I was a nut. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean you're working online? What is that? Like, as long, if there wasn't a, a legitimate like brick and mortar, like you weren't leaving the house to enter into an office or a building it was like a scam yeah right? it's just yeah it's just ridiculous Tell bro me they what... killed me online you know for a long time you know it's like I, I i would get so much hate and i'm like i didn't i didn't understand it i'm like man i'm trying to feed my family you know I, apparently i was i was okay when i was a janitor working for general electric corporation you know, i'm scrubbing another man's toilets yep. frustrated paycheck to paycheck not seeing my family barely making ends meet i was okay then uh, but when I made a decision to say, look, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. And nobody's opening, like, it's not like they're going to, they're opening up the CEO position anytime soon. Jack Welch was on the top of that pyramid scheme. Nobody was, you know, you know, I wasn't getting there. It was a long way to go. And, and I, I was crazy how family, friends, people around me. And then I saw stuff like people I didn't even know wrote crazy stuff about me online. Sorry about that. A call come in. We're right. You know, just people attacking. It's like, man, what am I doing wrong? I'm just trying to make make ends meet. And and if you don't, you know, you don't want to buy my product, then you know, no big deal. And so it was, again, it was very interesting to see how quick people were to hate. Um, I apologize. My, I keep getting a call coming in. So, yeah. So, but you know, people, the unknown, people fight the unknown, you know, when it's, when it's scary, when it's different, um, you know, what else they can do? Because we've been so programmed and conditioned to go to work for somebody, you know, go to school, mm-hmm. get a, get a good education so you can go get a good job. And then that job is supposed to take care of you. Then, then what you work 40, 50 years, you go greet at Walmart and then you die. I mean, I, yep. it's, that's what we're conditioned to do. And we'll actually fight for that. Even if we don't really like it, we don't like our boss. We don't like the commute. You know, we don't like leaving our family behind. We don't like living paycheck to paycheck. We don't like the tax structure for employees, but we stay in it because we're comfortable. It's almost like being in a bad relationship. You know, some, you, you, it really, abused, it really is. It really is. So 100% agree with you, man. You're preaching to the choir. What, what, what gets me is that here's a quick little 30 second story. When I, mer- when I made my first six figures in my business, like I was super excited. I was happy doing well. 
you know, and, uh, you know, my family knew I was doing well, but I'm not like a very, I, I'm, I'm like a recluse. Uh, you, you don't know what I've got because I'm like a hermit. But at the same time, you know, my mother should know. She understands like we're doing well. We've got kids, whatever. She came up to me one day and said, hey, I hear that they're hiring uh, at Costco. You should go, you should go drop, drop, put your job application. I'm like, mom, I, I have my own bit. I just hit what? Like her, her methodology and her reasoning is so backwards, so old school, so, so geared towards like the traditional job model, right? Just over broke that it drives me insane. And it's just like, you can't, it's really difficult to change someone's perspective when they're that much ingrained in that left field. Um, and, and it's, and it sucks, especially because like most of the people they're, they're the closest to you, you know, people that you probably love. And that's, yeah, sad. that's it. Look, man, that was the biggest thing that I discovered, you know, and, and it goes right along with, you know, the thinking grow rich, you know, philosophies. If you've read the book, Think grow rich. Oh, yeah. And you know, it's like, it, it's the people that are closest to you. You know, it's, they're the first ones to show up and, and, you know, try to stop you. You know, they're like, you, you, you would think that the people closest to you would be the ones cheering you on the most, but I, and I, I, it's not that they don't love us. I think it's because they love us and they don't want us to get hurt. They don't want us to right. fail. You know, when I was a kid, you know, my dad didn't necessarily want me jumping, you know, garbage cans in the alley on my BMX bike, <laughs> but you know, he was, he allowed me to do it. And it, it, you know, we got pretty good and we, we started racing and, you know, won a bunch of trophies and had some sponsorships and it turned out pretty cool. But um, you know, it's hard to watch someone you care about doing something that doesn't make sense to you. You know, right. Right. I fight it sometimes with my own daughters. I got four, four daughters, you know, three of them are, are grown living on their own. Um, but I, even as they were growing up, you know, I find myself as a dad, like, you know, I, cause I don't trust guys. I trust no boys because, because I know how I was as a teenage boy. I got three daughters. I'm with you. Oh, uh, so you know, exactly, man. <laughs> so, but I had, I always had to find myself. I'd always like to check myself. Okay. You got to let them, they got to get yeah. beat up for a little bit. They got to, you know, they got to get, you know, they got to go through. So I can't, I can't defend everything. You know, they, right. they've got to go grow through this stuff. And that's hard, man. You know, the very things I was complaining about, I found myself doing to my own family. I'm like, okay, John, you know, don't be a hypocrite, man. Get your act together, brother. It's, so it's tough. Funny. It's tough because they're your little girls, man. It's yeah. Funny. Yeah. Especially girls, man. Cause you're yeah. like, I said, I said, I had to get rich because I had girls like, man, you know, night vision goggles are expensive. Shotguns are, I mean, all, all, it costs money to have girls. You can't, you can't be broke and have, you know, three girls, four girls. No right. Way. right. <laughs> Amongst other things they are very expensive. Makeup, <laughs> yeah. hair, crab, clothing, oh. they have, you, you know how it is. Emotion. Uh, emotion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my question to you is, I, I want to hear how you went from, being a bum, being a felon to, I understand that you found interest in like a home-based business. And that, that was the thing that catapulted you. But like most people, they, they're in circumstances, like you said, where they're comfortable and they can't get out of the comfort. I always feel like you have to be uncomfortably comfortable. You have to, you have to find some form of comfort in the sense that you, you're, you're building like, you're building something, something sustainable but the moment that you feel like you're comfortable short term um, is when I think you start to retract and you start to dip into, you know, maybe past belief systems and you lose sight of the things that you're supposed to do. And you just basically back yourself into a corner versus if you're uncomfortable, you're constantly uncomfortable um, with a little bit of comfort. 
then you're able to really keep moving forward because you're like, I'm not comfortable in this place. I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. I got to keep going. Right. But what, what made you, what was it that you're like, Hey, I I'm sick and tired of this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a change and not just say it, but actually take the action. What was it that, that, that ignited you to actually take action? You know, I understand circumstances, a big play of it, but 90% of people, you know, this doing what you do, you're a far successful person than I am. I got to say that, that it, it's so tough for people to get out of their comfort zones, let alone all they do is talk, 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 talk. I wish this could happen. I could have invented this. I could have done this, that, so ever. What, well, why don't, why don't you fucking do it? That's the question. So why, how were you able to do it? I want to know your story. Man, it's, it's crazy. You know, I, I call it now happily discontent. You know, I'm, I'm happily discontent, even to this day. You know, I'll be, I'm going to turn 50 in a week, which is just crazy to me. My you look body. great for 50. Jesus Christ. Wow. Thank you, brother. I feel great, man. Look, I feel you're jacked. You're 50 years old. I hope I'm as jacked as you when I'm 50 years old. I well, hope I got I'm not a... jacked in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, it helps. I got a 26 year old wife that keeps me on point. That helps. And, uh, you know, but I, I have energy. I, I mean, I have this boundless energy, man. I can't, I, I, I've always had it. And, that energy used to get me in a lot of trouble back in the day. You know, that yeah. the energy was directed in the wrong direction. And I figured out I could, the same energy that turned me into a drug addict also turned me into a millionaire. You know what I mean? That, 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 that same relentless pursuit for drugs and criminal activity, I was able to redirect into more positive things. And it was interesting, you know, I lost my sister to heroin. She died from a heroin overdose when she was 21 years old. Oh God. My brother. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it, we grew up in this, this interesting environment. My brother to this day, he's two years younger than me. He looks like he's 20 years older than me. He's been a heroin addict for the, for, for as long as, as I'm, I mean, he's 70 pounds soaking wet teeth are going. I mean, just, he's bare. I mean, I I love my brother, but I, 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 it's hard. It's hard to be around, you know, that, that him, Uh, we grew up together, man. We were, we were tight and we took different directions. You know, he, he, we both, we both did, we both were incarcerated. So it's interesting. You can take three people from the same house mm-hmm. and one of the three ends up on a completely different path. And, and part of it is because of experiences. When I was 17 years old, my, my, well, my first felony arrest, I was 15 years old. I had robbed a movie theater at gunpoint at 15 years old. And that was the beginning of incarceration uh, for me. And when I was released, the, the, you know, what we now know as the crack epidemic had hit our neighborhood pretty hard. We didn't call it crack back then. We are freebasing cocaine. We are turning powder cocaine into rocks and smoke. Anyway, we don't need the uh, cocaine history lesson today. But uh, when I got out, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to have money, man. And, and I saw there was some money to be made in drug dealing in our neighborhood. The problem is I didn't get the memo, don't get high on your own supply. And I basically just about killed myself. Had a heart attack at 17 from smoking cocaine. But the, the, the worst point in my life turned out to be the biggest, the, the biggest curse turned out to be the biggest blessing. I ended up in a, in a drug rehabilitation facility, but I was locked in it because of circumstances around this whole scenario. We won't go into all the details right now, but I was locked in this facility in this facilities where I met a man by the name of Dave. Dave was a former uh, outlaw motorcycle gang member who had turned his life around and he was working with kids. He was working with teenagers to get them on track. And Dave held the mirror because I blame the police. I blame my parents. I blame the neighborhood, the teachers, the system, everything. It was everything else but me. And I was in there whining and complaining like I always did. And it's you, it's everybody else. And I was a punk. And, and Dave held the mirror up. And Dave was the first guy that I really respected because Dave was a badass. You know, Dave was not to be played with. You know, you couldn't, 
You couldn't intimidate Dave with your words. And Dave just said, no, bro, it's you. He held the mirror up and said, it's a thousand percent you. You made an appointment to be here. Everything about your life, as bad as it sucks, is you, 100%. And he kept saying it over and over and over. And he said, well, that's the bad news. He said, for you, that's the bad news. He said, but here's the good news. He said, you can turn it around. He said, you can make a new appointment today and in five years be completely different. I kept hearing that over and over from different things, but he turned me on to, you know, different, you know, he gave, he was the first guy who gave me the book, how to win friends and influence people. So he turned me on to personal development. That's that, that really got me out of this. Even though I was a, I was a punk and I, I was, I had this terrible entitlement mentality and it was through personal development. It was through people that were brave enough to look me in the eye and tell me you're an idiot, you're a loser. And it's because of you. <laughs> it's not because of, you know, anything else. And I, and I started to catch on that. I could, I, the only person that could make these changes was me. You know, I, I couldn't wait for the government to change. I couldn't wait for my neighborhood to change, the police to change, or whatever. I couldn't. I just couldn't. I had to start making those changes. And so that's where it began. When I look back to all the success I have today, it was because of that, for me, drug rehabilitation, locked in that facility at 17 years old. I came out. I had nothing. Just so you, I mean, so people understand, by, when, by the time I come out, I had destroyed all the relationships prior to this, family, friends, there was nothing left. I, all I owned at that point was the jeans I went in with and the sweatshirt I walked out with, the tennis shoes on my feet. So, I, so things didn't happen right away for me, man. It was, it was tough, I, I, but I was nine months clean you know, off of drugs, but it was the most clarity I ever had in my entire life. I, I was off drugs, but I was starting to read a little bit. I was, I was still one foot in the hood, one foot in personal development. And then I started getting around the old associations again. And you know how your friends, you know, you, what do they say? You become the combined average of the people you hang out with. Well, my friends were all punks too. And they convinced me, look, you don't have to smoke cocaine. You know, you can snort. There's other ways to do it, man. Of course, you know, my, I'm like, all right. And I found myself, you know, after about nine months of being completely clean, having clarity, getting on a right path, I found myself right back where I was again, just, you know, because of my associations. And then, I was always in and out of this whole system and drugs and, and alcohol abuse. And then at 24 years old was my last felony arrest. I was 24 years old, but this one's different because I have my daughter, Lauren, my, my daughter, Lauren is uh, man. What is she today? She's 28. So it's crazy when I think, when I think back, man, but, but when I was being arrested, when I was being let out of my home, she was in the house and you know, she didn't know exactly what was going on. She was still too young, but she knew, you know, police are all over the house. There's co complete chaos in the house. I'm being let out of the house in handcuffs. And I'll never forget when I look back, it, it couldn't have been more than a second or two, but we locked eyes and she was, you could see the pain. She's screaming and crying. And, and of course, now I end up in the bullpen in Milwaukee County Jail. I'm coming down from everything. And two things kept replaying as I'm sitting on the floor, July 4th, 1993, with criminals all around me, hardened criminals. And here I am again, and all that kept replaying was her face and what, what I had learned in the drug rehabilitation facility when I was 17 years old, a, a quote that Dave would say, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, which now I now have tattooed on my, my arm. And that, that replay, I was stuck there. I couldn't get, it was, it was the holiday weekend, so I, I knew I wasn't going to court. I was sitting on that floor for four days, miserable, and... Uh, it was on that floor, I made a decision that, yes, I was a criminal. Yes, I was a drug addict. Yes, I was a loser. I was all these things they said I was, absolutely. But that's who I was. That's not who I would be. And coming out of there, after that, I was never arrested again, never, never other than, like, you know, 
speeding tickets, you know, things like that. But, but never, ne- you know, I never did drugs again after that. And I, and I started focusing on getting out of that neighborhood was my number one priority. I couldn't raise a, a child in that neighborhood. I couldn't raise myself in that neighborhood. And that just became my driving force. And the only way out was entrepreneurship, because of course, once you got some stuff like in your record, the, the doors don't open for you anymore. Jobs look at you and they turn you in. It doesn't matter, you know, that you've been rehabilitated. It doesn't matter that you, you paid the price. They don't care about any of that stuff. So I caught on pretty quickly. The only way out for me was entrepreneurship. And that's why I think I overextended because I didn't know what to do. That's why I've had so many businesses and I'm always looking. I'm all, my radar is always up. What's the next opportunity? What's the next opportunity? Like, you know, we're about to launch another company and, you know, an active lifestyle health and wellness company, which is now my passion at 50 because I see 20 year olds that don't get off the couch. I see 20 year olds, you know, with obese and diet die obesity is the number three killer in america right now people with diabetes diabetes and are obese they can't even go outside right now because of coronavirus they're the ones the most scared right now because if they catch it they're probably gonna you know they're gonna have i look i got covid i got it i i had it i don't have it now but i had it and nothing happened to me you know i was tired for a couple of days had a couple snivels when i rolled on because i'm a healthy dude my wife got it too well she you know we got it together Nothing, because we're healthy and we focus on it. So, I, you know, I, I have this passion to, to educate, of course, teach entrepreneurship. But now we got to teach, we got to teach Americans how to get off of the corporate system, the, the, you know, our, our fast food culture and our pharmaceutical culture. Like, like we eat like crap and then we expect the pharmaceutical industry to fix us. <laughs> it's like, come on, man, this, this not, it ain't, ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. And it's, it hasn't worked. It's not working. And so we're, uh, we're building a company around that culture. And of course, everything about me is entrepreneurship. So we're going to offer crazy opportunities for people to, to make, you know, millions of dollars with us, not just us make millions, but everything we do now is about impact and fulfillment. And, and if we do it, it's like, come with us, come with us. You know, if I make a million, then the team's got to make 10 million. You know, if I make 10 million, the team's got to make a hundred million. So that's kind of the philosophy that we use. And because of that, you know, we've, we've had, we've done, I don't know, one now probably 1.2, $1.3 billion in, in, in sales. And I say it all the time, look, I, yeah, I made tens of tens of millions of dollars, but the team made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's what I'm always most proud of. And, and you know, I took a lot of time off. I took the time off to be an idiot for a while, you know, to go crazy, you know, with, you know, I had a bunch of money and I, you know, I, I, I lost track of myself and, and, and then I got myself back on track and, and you know we're rolling, man. We're rolling, rolling fast and hard. You gotta do that. You're hard. human. You're human. You you yeah. know you have you have to have you have to have an opportunity to kind of be stupid for a little bit. You know to be, <laughs> to, be to be selfish. You know you've earned it. You've worked hard. It's not like you're squandering it in the sense. It's because and the thing is is that you have all the skills necessary, and you're not you're not putting anybody in danger. You're not no. you know you're not putting only myself. In- Right. <laughs> As usual. <laughs> but we could, I'm, I'm not kidding. I could talk to you for another three. So I, I'm in the, uh, like, uh, the optimization coaching. So a lot, I do a lot of like, uh, like, so I'm like certified in nutrition and all that. And I uh, program design and, and really anything around like um, strength coaching, performance driven, things like that. So you and I can have a really nice conversation. This, this, my perspective on the world from a nutritional standpoint, from a, um, uh, from just an unhealthy lifestyle standpoint is, is beyond me. So like on my staff, we've got uh, naturopathic doctors, hormone replacement therapists and nutritionists. And uh, it's, it, it's, it's a crazy, crazy world. And it's really, yeah, we, got, we uh, definitely have to have a further conversation. I'd love I, to. Yeah. I think we could, you know, benefit each other with some things that are going on. Uh, absolutely. And, and that, that's amazing. Do you, do you have your own podcast by the way? You know, we did, you know, we have the, the build your empire 
brand, we went through a big transition, some big changes happened there. And of course, Colt, like, you know, our, our, a lot of what we were doing were live events with world-class entrepreneurs, that stopped. And we made some changes in the leadership. And then, then COVID hit. And yeah. so now uh, we, we, we shut down the Build Your Empire <clears throat> podcast, but it's all coming back, man. We, Have you thought lot. of just doing one literally just by yourself? Like, like quick little 10-minute episodes you have so much knowledge man and it's raw and it's genuine and people can vibe with you and like the thing is is that i listen to a ton and all i need is 10 15 minutes of something that just hits me like especially if i'm in the mindset like i just want to change i want to get better i want to be i don't want to i want to kill the old version of me i want to be better and i feel like that's your your mantra and i could just already sense how many kids lives you can touch that maybe don't have access to funds. Maybe they, they don't have access to certain things and they're like, John Malafri can help me. And then five years down the line, they build a six-figure industry or a company and then all of a sudden, now they're hiring you to consult for them or they want to pay you for, like, there's so many. I, I believe in the law of reciprocity. It will always come back around tenfold. The more that you give, the more that you're going to get. That's how I truly believe that. And you just, you have a tremendous amount of value. I would, I would listen to your podcast all day, every day. I'll tell you that much. Well, I appreciate it. Well, that, well when I do start it, I'll know I got at least one. I got one listener for sure. So Hell I'll, yeah. I'll hold you to that, man. I'm like, hey, <laughs> you weren't on today, bro. What, where'd you go? <laughs> no, you know, I'm, I'm considering that. You know, I'm going to get this company launched. And then, and then we'll see, man. We'll see uh, what direction we go in. It's like my, my biggest challenge now is like I'm not even allowed to handle my own calendar anymore. My wife's got to handle it. Because yeah. I say yes to everything. Like, it doesn't matter. I because I want everybody to win and I'll find myself stretched very thin. So now my wife is guarding the calendar better. I'm not allowed to, to touch it. And, and so once we, once we figure out, you know, what, you know, when you're launching a company right now, we're stretching, right, you're supposed right. to be, you got to get out of balance a little bit. Once we get this thing launched and we've got a pretty good idea of, of direction, vision, you know, culture, all the things that we're building, it, it, it may, it may be the right time for me to do my own personal, you know, pockets. Everything I've ever done was always for other people. It's like, let me, let me help you launch your stuff. Let me help you get your brain. Well, I have a mentoring program and, all, and I focus on everybody else's brand. And my wife is like, man, you, 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 for 25 bucks, you're, you're on calls with these people. You're walking them through their Ted talks. You're helping them. It's like, man, people are charging thousands of dollars to do what you're giving them. And you're giving it to them personally. <laughs> like, who, I'm like I, 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 clearly I'm an idiot. I mean, clearly I'm the stupidest guy around, but you, not you're really not stupid. because it seems like the, the, you, you, you it's coming back around full circle. Tenfold. I was going to say, I was going to say, man, because what you said, the law of reciprocity, that, that has been the story of my life, man. I just, I, I just keep, whatever I've got is yours. Whatever I got is yours. And then, and I keep getting blessed with more. So, you know, it's, you should. Uh, yeah. You're, I mean, it, you're I giving a lot to the world, man. You're giving a lot to the world. And that's, that's huge. I think a, a lot of people, especially in the online, like, uh, uh, I mean, you know, this in, in like the, the online business space the make money online space, like yeah. how, how many there, there's always an offer. Like even the free offers isn't really, it isn't really free. You're still paying something for it. You know, catch them on the funnel, this, that, or the other, there isn't really anybody giving real value anymore at no cost or minimal cost. That is like no strings. Like where do you see online that there's really no strings attached? There's always Not something. Anymore. No, you don't find it. No. It's ludicrous. I think that the podcasting platform, this arena, has opened that up. I think if people truly dove deep into some of the podcasts, 
that they wanted to listen to that maybe are in line with what they wanted to, you know, skills they want to adopt or whatever. Um, there's some tremendous amount of value, like value that I would probably invest thousands of dollars in. One of my most inspirational things I, uh, as a guy named Charles Pollock, when he had a keynote in Italy, now I've invested thousands of dollars in his, in his, uh, coaching, his teaching, his books, whatever. His three-hour speech that he did that was recorded on YouTube, I got more out of that than I had in anything else that I had purchased from him in the past. It was absolutely insane. Like, it blew my mind. I'm like, this guy is giving you – I'm not even kidding. I I would probably pay 50 to 100 grand for that information. It blew me away. Wow. But he's not – that. that's not the intent, right? Yeah. It's not the intent. So like, I'm sure you've given away thousands upon tens of thousands of dollars away of free information, free value that to you, you don't even, it doesn't even register. Cause like, this is just who I am. Bro, I don't, I, I'm, I'm the only online influencer with the influence I have that I, I don't sell anything. Like people always say, you know, when you come on my stage, you can sell something. You get on my pocket. I'm like, bro, I don't got nothing to sell. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give you what I got. And then, down the road, you know, like a lot of times I'll have a company where I've got affiliate programs and people could become affiliates, but that's, and I would say that's more for them anyhow, because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get, get them paid. I'm not trying to take their money. I'm Especially trying to get if it's money. a great product. Yeah. I mean, most people sell garbage. So, Hey, what is, uh, do you have anything that people can sign on right now? You know, the only thing I have is uh, I have this mentoring fund, which started because I had a bunch of friends hit me up and say they got scammed by this young online entrepreneur, like, 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 when they were telling me that dollar amounts, it was all over the board. That's how you know it's interesting. If you're, if ten people are paying ten different prices for the same thing, one pays a thousand, one pays twenty thousand, one pays five. It tells me there's something there's something interesting going on there. But they were telling me these numbers, and I said, "Well, what were you supposed to learn?" They were telling me like leadership, branding. I said, "Look, I'll take the next ninety days. Uh, put as many people you want on. I'll teach you this stuff." You know, that's, that's how it started. So I, it started as a 90-day program. It was going to be 90 days of me because the dude wasn't giving their money back, and they were upset about it. So, well, at least I, I let me help you get the stuff you want. And so I do this for now. It's two years later. I'm still doing it. I, eventually, I said, look, I got to charge something. So it's like I think it's 20, 25 bucks or 24 bucks a month. And every Wednesday night, I do a live Zoom, and then we do these you know, they all have my phone number because the live zoom to get on is actually my phone number. And so they text me, we get on calls. I'm like, and I walk them through. So if they ever get stuck, like we are really going through like how to monetize your brand, how to turn. Cause in the end I figured out, like I turned my brand into a cash machine, not even realizing, you know, my name became, you know, synonymous with home-based business. I became the world's leading authority on home-based businesses, not even realizing it. And, and so people were hitting me up all the time because of that. So I, all I did was I, I kind of reverse engineered. How did this happen? Because I'm like, I didn't even know how it happened until I sat down with a piece of paper and really broke it down. And so that's what I give to them. Like, look, this, this, how, this is how we built an organization of 327,000 affiliates in eight countries doing $220 million a year. This is exactly what I did. Well, I don't need to sell you the course because I, I just showed Reverse you engineer what you did. Yeah. And, and if they can duplicate it, great. Or... When I, when I do it again, join me, you know, <laughs> come along for the ride, man. We, we were doing a hundred million dollars a year just in South Korea alone. I, I have so many friends in South Korea of all places. I speak no Korean. I do eat kimchi from time to time, but <laughs> man, I've got, I can go, I can go to Australia. I can go almost anywhere in the world, man. I got friends. I could show up. I could stay in beautiful houses. They you know, let me take their cars I and mean, it's crazy, man. So 
but it's all because we learned how to, you know, we built this brand, not even trying, like, I think people are trying to force their building their brand. Yeah. And, and I think that's where the, you know, not, then they're trying to force getting you to give them money for, for something, or they're forcing their story upon you. I see it. You can feel it sometimes. Man, if it doesn't, you know, what do we talk about? Authenticity. And yep. you can tell, man, it's like, it's crazy that we got to teach people to be authentic. It's like, just be your, I mean, I don't know. It seems, seems like you should just be yourself. We, we live in a fictitious world, my man. Yeah, I, yeah you're right, bro. It's, it's, I mean, you know, everybody pretends to be somebody they're not. And like, I, I was in that. I, I spent a lot of money trying to, I built up my, uh, one of my Instagram accounts and um, got it over to, I don't know, a quarter of a million followers and really good engagement. And somebody hacked my account about a year ago and, I, Instagram has been of no help and uh, I don't really, I honestly don't care. Like I don't care. I really don't care. I just don't have any need for it. I'm, I'm not, I, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a, there's definitely a place for, for social media. I think because of the, the mechanics of the world that we live in today, it is a tool that is necessary, but it's not the only tool. You know, no. I think there's, there's other avenues. Podcasting is one of them. I really love YouTube. I think YouTube is amazing. Um, for the type of stuff that I do, obviously the podcast and any the coaching content. And so I just got to say, dude, like no, no, no bullshit. Like this is, you're one of the coolest ho- guests I've ever had on the show. Uh, it's been fun to, to, to chat with you. Um, I'm not ending it by any means. I'm just saying like, this has yeah. been, this has been awesome. I, I'd love to like grab a drink, smoke a cigar one of these days. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, look, keep, keep, keep speaking highly of me, bro. I'll be, I'll be like, hey, say, say more. Come on. Let's keep this podcast. Let's do, can we do like a five-hour podcast? Just tell everybody how great job alive. That's all I need. I, uh, I just call my wife, too, and tell her some of stuff? Yeah, I will. I will. If you do the same for mine. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's Latina. She's very fiery. She doesn't believe a word oh. that I say. I, I grew up I grew up in a Hispanic neighborhood in uh, Me- Mexican and in uh, African American neighborhood. So I, I get it, bro. I, I understand. She's, <laughs> I she's Puerto it. Rican Mexican, so oh. oh oh yeah, you got the double decker. Oh, you yeah, got the I'm, double decker, bro. I don't Fire. even I don't even have like she walks in right now, storms in. I'm just gonna sit and stare. Nothing <laughs> that I can say. I've already I've already lost the battle. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, bro. I feel you, man. A thousand percent. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's 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 great. Uh, how how's your relationship with your kids now? I know they're grown. So how old are your your youngest? My youngest is eleven. Um, she act she acts like she's the oldest, which is funny. If you get around Cody, she's a trip, man. That kid. I, we have adult conversations like you wouldn't believe. It's hard to believe she's eleven years old. Um, incredible. She's a little entrepreneur. She, uh, a few years ago, she won an entrepreneur uh, fair here in uh, Arizona where all these Love different that. schools competed. And here's what's funny about it, it, it to see the, how the universe can work sometimes. She, she overheard the teachers talking about the hand sanitizer in the classroom was real hard on their hands and had chemicals in it. She created a all natural hand sanitizer. This is before COVID now. This At is like 11 years old. She was now she's 11. So she was what nine or just, you know, heading towards 10 at that time. And she created an all natural hand sanitizer before COVID. And now of course what happens, COVID hits and now she can't keep up with the, the orders. Everybody's like, Oh, and they, they love the hand sanitizer because she brought it to the teachers that created this all natural. She's selling went, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> it's called, uh, awesome. 
Yeah, it's called Safe Code. Like her name is yeah. Cody, and then she is called Safe Code All Natural Hand Sanitizer. <laughs> That's like That's amazing. Talk about who would have thought back then? Two years ago, we weren't thinking about COVID. Right, you know, right, we right. hand sanitizer from time to time. And all of a sudden, you got a shortage of it. It's like, wow, you know. But you know, she won this. She won this with this with her project, and you know, because she's a pitcher. I mean, she her mother's also a, a world class entrepreneur. Speaks all over the world. Author oh, wow. a little bit. So I always say she was in her mom's belly while her mom was on stage teaching entrepreneurship. Bensie's at home, and, and all we would talk about, you know, back then, you know, we're not married anymore, but you know, back when she was when, when she was little, that's all she ever was around. When we would travel, she come. She would. She's been all over the world. She's She's been in the back, you know, at back tables, helping speakers, you know, get set up to speak and sell books or whatever was going on. So she's, yeah, she's a little hustler. She's, that, so that, that, that's that, my little one. That, that is one of my, um, uh, my dreams is to, to be able to at least teach my kids through osmosis, right? See me hustling, see me working, giving them little tactics and things like that. My question to you, do you think entrepreneurship can be learned? I learned it. I, I for, absolutely thousand percent. Um, but but you but you had a deep desire to yeah. change. Oh yeah, for sure. There, there had to be there had to be some sort of like fire burning inside you where it was like this is it. There is it's either all or nothing. And I feel like the top tier entrepreneurs have an all or nothing scenario. Yeah, that's and, what and, I had. You know, you know, you're right. If you're missing that fire, because think about it, being an entrepreneur is is harder than being an employee. Yep. <laughs> it takes way more sacrifice, way more yep. discipline. I mean, it does suck. You got to get up. If you're an employee, you got to get up early. A lot of times you got to be stuck in traffic. There's some stuff that really sucks about it, but most of the stuff is done for you. Really. You kind of, and then you get in a routine, you know, you talk to employees, they go through their whole routine. Like they, they drive to work. Couldn't even, they don't even realize that route. It's, it's ingrained in their brain. Mm -hmm. They get to the office and they got a routine that they do over and over. They know when their lunch break is. They know when it's time to punch out. A lot of stuff is done for them. Then they go home and, you know, you can sit on the couch if you want, maybe hang out with the kids for a little while, watch some TV, go to bed, and you just do it over and over and over. And that routine builds comfortability. So there's a lot of comfort in that. As an entrepreneur, my, my shit never shuts off, man. It, you know, I, I take it to bed with me tonight. You know, it's constantly. And I know that, look, if I don't, if I don't figure out a new new way to get something done, the people that I now it's the people that I told could have it. They're the ones that are gonna suffer. It used to be, look, if I don't get out here and hustle, the bills ain't gonna get paid. But you know, now thank God I'm past that part where I have to worry about my own personal bills. But now I'm telling people, I'm on I'm on podcasts like yours telling people you can have what I have. Imagine if if I don't help show the way, or imagine if I just quit or I give up. I mean, then I'm a, I, what am I? I'm a liar. I'm, I'm unethical. I don't know. So I, I don't know when I can ever stop now because I, I keep getting on shows like this or I'm on stages and I'm telling people, I believe you can do it, but you, 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 here's, you better, you better be willing to work. You better be coachable or humble. You know, the definition of humble is teachable and you got, and, and you've got to lead by example. You got to have this hunger inside of you. Like I, I had this white, hot, burning desire to stop going second class, to stop being treated like garbage, to stop making excuses to my kids and my family. It was just, it burned me up. You know, it burned me to live in this neighborhood that was, you know, people were getting shot down the street. It burned me up to see how girls especially were being treated in this neighborhood. It's bad enough if you're a boy, but, but females had a whole nother set of issues in that neighborhood. I'm like, I had this white, hot desire to not live like this anymore and to stop mm -hmm. being treated like garbage. And, 
you know, and I, and I didn't know for a long time. I, again, when I got some money, I thought, you know, the, the cars, all the stuff, I got real flashy that, you know, the wall, everything. Then you start to realize that didn't fulfill me either. That, that wasn't what I was looking for. What I wanted was freedom. I wanted my kids to have a better life. And, and that's where I, you know, I focus now. I mean, I think entrepreneurship is the key to that, but people say they want that, but most people are not willing to do what it takes to get that. That, you know, that, I think that's the big difference. It's like people say, I want what you have. I said, well, are you willing to do what I did? You know, I went seven years, brother, seven. My first year as a full-time entrepreneur, I made $4,000. Like nobody's in the street saying, Jamalot, he's the best. They're laughing, hating, talking crazy. The second year, I only made $16,000. i am full-time entrepreneur. I made $16,000 my second year for the entire year. Now for me, I went from 4,000 to 16,000. I looked at like the percentage of growth. I'm like, man, if I would've got that big of a raise, that percentage mm-hmm. on my job, man. Right there. That's next level. That, that's next level, but that, that right there, that perception, most people don't realize this. You went from, oh, I only made, most people are like, I only made 16 grand this year. But you thought of it one step further. You said, okay, if I look from a, from a percentage, percentages standpoint, I did 4,000. I quadrupled my money. Yeah. You 4X'd your, your money. Yeah. That's what you did. That's fucking brilliant. And, and I just wanted to point that out because that is so huge. That subtle thing is, is, is a big separation. It's a big, like, it's a, it's a big point to make when most people are starting out and they think that they're not doing enough. And they think that they're not being able to, cause they're not making six figures. They're not making, you know, $7 million a year, whatever the fuck it is, whatever your number yeah. is, that is huge. That is huge to me. And that literally gave me goosebumps because I remember when I, I had a similar story and I, and I made money, but as long as I was, I was, I was growing year by year and I wasn't retracting and I wasn't reverting back and I wasn't losing money. I was progressing. And as long as I was progressing that I can just fine tune it and get better. So what happened after you made 16 grand? That was huge. That, so. <laughs> what, was, what was crazy is like you already said, what was, what was the growth was what the biggest thing people looked at the money. I was still stuck in that crappy house. I still had the Pontiac 2000, two tone, one tone rust, one tone dirt. I still, you know, I was still being criticized and like, Oh, you still, you still think you're not, you know, businessman, all this stuff and all this, you know, Thanksgiving dinners with the family were the worst. Everyone talked shit. So, so the, the second year, $16,000, it wasn't until the seventh year, I cracked $116,000. The seventh year, I made 116000 The seventh year. Seventh year. So, so there was this progression. It was growing, you know, in the, in the very beginning, it was slow, but here's what happened. The seventh year, everything changed. So seventh year, I made 116000 Then on the eighth year, that one year later, it was over 220000 A year after that, I cracked a million. Then it went to $2 million. Then it was like, you know, I got a quarter million dollar a month residual income coming in. Now, look, the, the people that were talking the most shit, all of a sudden were like, we knew you could do it. We had your yeah, back. Of course. Like, you, <laughs> yeah. like, you were the worst, man. The worst. It, but they all showed up like they, they, they knew it was going to happen. We knew you could do it. I'm like, you yeah, they all showed it, up man. with their hands out. And look like cups, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, get that, get out of here. I mean, I always thought like you hear things like uh, success is the best revenge and all that. I really thought that, that one day when I was successful there, I would have, I don't know. I didn't know exactly what the revenge would be, but, but you know what happens when you finally get there? I, I, I really lost that, that thinking, you know, it was more for me. It's like, man, if I could go back in the neighborhood and pull some of my old friends out, if I could go, 
if I could teach my kids this stuff, I and mean, my kids watch it, you know, like I, my, my oldest kids went through the worst, you know, because, you know, my 28 year old, I have a 26 year old and my, every one of them had a little better life. My, my oldest one, Lauren, she, she took the brunt of it because I was such a. Is she jackass. the toughest though out of all of them? Yeah, she's a, it's, no, it's interesting. She's the kindest the 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 uh, soft spoke most soft spoke. She's she's the reasonable what, one. When I when I mean by tough, I mean resilient. Forget oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She she's been well because she's been been yeah. through it. She knows her sister. She just shakes her head at her at her little sisters like you. You're clear. You no the eleven year old grew up in a in a seven thousand square foot mansion that she played <laughs> in the elevator. You know, <laughs> inside the house. You know, went to school in a Rolls Royce. So she cracks up like this kid. Her baby sister has no clue about like what struggle is you know struggle for the baby sister would be like if we stayed at a holiday inn you know what i mean <laughs> it's like oh my god we so we had a we had a teacher some things about you know like yeah. tithing we had, we had to really get in t- and, and show her that this your life is not typical and that you know you're going to be defined down the road by your gratitude your you know giving things like that so we had a we had a change because she would go to school and you know, and she'd get around people and she would let people know she was rich. Like, it, I, like Cody, oh, you got to be humble, kid. You, <laughs> so she, I mean, it took a little bit, but she, yeah. she's got it now. She sees that she's been fortunate and being an asshole and thinking you're better than someone because you got some money. That, 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 that's, that, that's the worst play in the world. And we see it today. Instagram makes it cool to be an arrogant yep. jerk. We're teaching these, we're teaching kids to be jackasses and mean and nasty and hateful and, because you got money, you're better than somebody else. Get out of here. So outside of that, let's look at this. Okay. You have kids that maybe aren't rich, but they come from middle, upper class. Yeah. Okay. They're comfortable. They're getting in their twenties. They still live at home and they have opportunities. They, they can have some connections, but they won't do anything. They want to do all these things, but they're too comfortable. How can someone, how can someone like that? Because I think that fits more of like majority of the population, right? A lot of middle class and upper middle class, um, especially if you live in the suburbs or whatever. But these kids, they get stuck. They're, they're cozy at home. They go work like three hours a week at some job or they postmate. And then they're just like the rest of the time they're screwing off. I'm like, how the fuck do you have all this money and time? A, it's a curse for them. It's a curse. What are they going to do when mommy and daddy's gone? What are they going to do right. when, when the 600, like now we got an extra six, whatever it is for unemployment and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. We, we live in the fattest, laziest country in the world. We're the only yeah. country that can look to the sky and violate all the rules of nature and still have a roof over our head, still have food in our bellies, still have an Xbox and some weed in the house. You know I mean, we're the only country that can do that. You know, people act like America is so tough. I'm like, go go to Cambodia. <laughs> go, go to a third world country and live there for you. You tell me what's tough. Yeah, man. We are, we're clueless. And that's why, like, I took my, I always took my kids. I would take my kids to third world countries. They were fighting over, you know, iPads and shit. And I'm like, all right, we're taking a trip. It's we're taking time. the Dominican Republic. And let's go up in Good the for mountains. You. Good and, for and you. And my kids all, I remember Jessica, who's now, what is she? She just turned 21. Like, all my kids, they knew when I bought all the, Somehow it became a thing, you know, they all got, they all got a brand new car. So I, I was starting to create some of this in, in but it, it's, you know, it started, it started early, but I didn't, you know, we got money. So let me, I started making, I mean, but tea. at the same time, I don't think it's wrong for you to provide for your children. You busted your ass so that you can give them a life all yeah. the while. You're still doing the right thing because it's coming from a good place, but you're starting to 
But at the same time, you take him to a third world, you take him to Cambodia, like showing him what life is like, like that's, there has to be that balance. And it seems like you figured that out. So, yeah. so you know, like there, what happened? Bro, I'll never, I'll never forget. It was, it was, we went up into the mountains. I have, I have a great friend that lives in the Dominican Republic. And I said, bro, I, I need you to take me into the spots, you know, and which is actually all the Dominican Republic is like that because the most entrepreneurial people I've ever met were in the Dominican Republic. You know, I always joke around, like I'm at a stoplight. At a stoplight, I got my windshield washed. I bought a bag of cashews. I got a new Apple charger and a sunglasses at a stoplight. I come back to America and there's a guy with a sign saying, give me money. You know, I, I saw the difference in mentality. Like in the Dominican, they don't have a program. When, it, when they lock you down for COVID-19, they're not sending you a check. They're, they're not, you know, you've, I don't know how, I mean, these people are, they, they figure out ways to make it to, 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 just to survive. But anyhow, going back, uh, so we're, we're up in the mountains and these kids, they live in sh- literally like shacks, a little, you know, tarp over the thing, the, no running. I, I was joking, say the only running water they had was when they ran and got it. no plumbing, like $20. Like I, my, my friend said, I was going to give money out and said, bro, you can't give $20 to these kids because they'll actually hurt each other because that, or an adult or something, because that $20 is like a lifestyle change. I mean, it was, it was uh, even for me and my kids saw it. So I'll never forget we were coming out of there and we stayed there for, I don't know, like two or three days. And when we were leaving, my, my Jessica was like, daddy, can we buy all these people houses? You saw the difference just from that, that experience. These kids with no shoes, they're, they're outside playing. They're happy. I mean, the most, for the most part, these were happy kids. They weren't, but they, you could see they were dirty and they're raggedy. Some of them didn't have shoes or the shoes they did have. They weren't like my kids stuff. And and in some areas, it was dangerous. You hear some of the stories. I mean, it's like, you know, we need to understand, man. You know, we're, we make our own danger in America. We make America dangerous for no reason. You know, you know, I think, like, because we're mad about something and, you know, we go and take it out on other people. You know, uh, it's a weird thing, man. I, but, but kids, if, if you show kids, if you really show them and you take the time, uh, you know, they, they get it. But the challenge is getting, like, Get a kid to watch this podcast for an hour. That's the challenge. You know, the attention span mm-hmm. is so short. Mm-hmm. The, the very part that they would need, you know, for all of us, it's like this, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. There were, there were things I needed to hear, but until I started tuning into it, I didn't get a chance to hear it. So was, there's, you know, you get, there's something, it was always like one thing. I go to a seminar and I didn't need the whole seminar, but there was one thing that I needed. And that one thing, I made an adjustment in my life and then going forward, things change. You know what I mean? But you wouldn't know unless you listened to the whole thing. That's the thing, man. It could be right at the end, you know, it could be in the middle. And if you, if, you know, you tune in for t- two seconds, ah, it's boring, whatever, you know, cause we want to be entertained. We want everything mm-hmm. fast and, and free. And so I think we miss out, man. I, I look, I was so hungry that, you know, if I heard there was a seminar and that's all we have, we didn't have, look, I didn't have YouTube back then. We, we didn't have access to this type of information that we now take for granted. But if I heard like, you know, Jim Rohn or Les Brown or Mark Victor Hanson, one of these guys, man, I would hop in that car that, that I had to pray over just so it would start, you know, <laughs> change in the ashtray to, you know, get gas to it. I would, I would drive 10, 12 hours in this car. I would sleep in public, you know, I'll sleep in the car. I would wash up in public restrooms because I was hungry. I'm like, man, if they got the information, I just got, I got to get this information and whatever it took for me to get that information. And I just, I, I just became a great regurgitator of that information. I would, li- I would go to these seminars and I would take notes on how they moved their hands, the inflection in their voice, I, things that I would not say or things that didn't work with my personality. 
that's what I got. I got journals stacked here from those days that I go back to them. Like, man, this is where I learned this. This is how I got that. And, and some of it, I didn't realize I picked up some of it. I, you know, just being in that room, it went into my subconscious apparently. And all of a sudden I find myself saying something that I heard at a seminar 10 years ago, but you know, it's, it's, it's a different time, but you know, people want to be entrepreneurial, but you got to be willing to go through the process. One thing now today we can pretend like we're big time entrepreneurs. We take a picture in front of a Lamborghini and, and now, you know, we, we, we sell a course (laughs) and, and we're big shots. It's like, it's it's a a different time to take a picture in front of a, yeah, man. It, the, the challenge is the lie becomes your reality to, yes. to a certain point. Yes. And that's what scares me. It's like if you, if you keep doing that, you start to believe you're, you're a big shot, yeah. but you haven't done anything. Yeah. And, and the universe will slap you at some point. It's just, yep. it's just guaranteed. Unfortunately, you can only lie for so long before you know, that lie comes to the light and then you're done. And the, I think the scariest thing is, yeah, when you start really believing your own lies that you tell yourself. So Man. if you flip this, if you could, if you could do the same thing and flip the switch and actually give yourself affirmations to put you on like a, a trajectory of creating new habits, creating new disciplines, um, and actually getting work done, you would actually build the life that you want. For sure. I was fortunate. I had a billionaire mentor by the name of Paul J. Meyer. God rest his soul. Incredible man. And, uh, that's where I started getting affirmations from it. He was the first guy that was saying, talk to yourself. He was saying, talk to yourself, you know? He said, you got to push out because I was so negative, man. I, mm-hmm. I, I was always so negative. You got to push out that you got to get rid of that. You're telling yourself all day long. It's like eating a junk food diet, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He said, you got to get rid of it, man. You're, you're mentally weak and you're, you're, you're hurting yourself every single day. And, and he actually created, I probably still have it was on a, uh, a cassette. It was just like, I am great. I am powerful. I mean, that's all it was. It was over and over. And he told me to listen to it before I go to bed every night. And I did that, I don't know, probably for two years. And then I, but then it just started, it was just, I go to bed without listening to it. It was just, <laughs> my, my mind was saying it to me. And, you know, people think it's weird. It's corny, but I don't know, man. It's, it, we're weird. People are weird. Dude, it's not like there's so much data and science that backs up that your subconscious mind is literally a machine. It is a machine. And it doesn't know good from bad, evil from, you know, light or dark from light it just doesn't know the difference whatever you whatever program you give it which and and from what i understand it's your belief systems that is a cultivation of the culture that you're around the environment that you grew up in you know how you were raised all that stuff you start to develop this this funnel of a belief system and it doesn't have to be that way for the rest of your life you could develop a new belief system you could plug in a new software a new program and that's what you did you programmed your subconscious and yeah, there's no question about it. There's no question. Yeah. Cause I even, I, you know, I, I wasn't going to tell you, but, but the other, so a week ago, my brother sends me a text message. He was involved in a murder in Milwaukee, not involved, like him and his buddy out three o'clock in the morning in the city, you know, doing what they do. And his buddy gets shot in the stomach. He's running. And then the, and the police are involved. But when I'm talking, I get on the phone with my brother. I don't want my brother to die. I, you know, I can't give him money anymore because I've learned my lesson. And so yeah. we've had our, our fallouts around it, but just his language, the, the, what he speaks, it's like, man, no wonder. It's like he, he, he has found a way to put himself in these type of situations because he speaks about it. Mm-hmm. It's become his environment. His body, his mind doesn't know anything else. It's always involved in some negative situation, whether it's women, 
drugs, police. He has programmed himself for the last 40 some years that, that he's a loser. He, you know what I mean? And, and he's a smart, I mean, the dude's a smart guy and he's funny as shit. You get around him, you, you know, you'd be cracking up like crazy. But if you stay around too long, you'd be doing drugs and you'll end up in prison. So you got, you know, but it's, it's an interesting thing to watch the dynamic and, and his negativity can, is strong. Like, you know, I can feel it on me when I get off the phone. Like I, you know, it's hard to get off you. So I can see when you get a whole bunch of people around bitching and complaining and negative. Oh yeah. Man, it's hard to shake that. Yeah. And you get sucked into it. And you know what sucks is when those people are your family. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, we could do a whole podcast just on that topic alone. Yeah. I actually, yeah. I had a really deep conversation with Brad Lee about it. Uh, <clears throat> and, and it, it, the same thing that you mentioned, how can, how can like the, the same three, four people, whatever, go up in the same house with the same mother and father or whatever, um, end up so different, completely different, like different ends of the spectrum. And we went on and on and on about it. And it's just like, they're really, I still don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, especially if like, you know, you, maybe you're starting to, cause I think people learn. I think there are people that learn through the traditional methods, but I think the best way to learn is like, I see what you're doing. I see that you're finding success in it. And I want to emulate that. And I may not ask you questions. I may not even do the same research, but I, I start to pick up on it. So yeah. how, can, how can you make a fortune? And here I am thinking that I'm an absolute loser and, and, and I'm not able to, to find success and I can't get out of my own way. I don't understand yeah. it. I'm sure there's a legitimate like scientific reasoning to all of this. Um, I'm not. You know, there's, have, have you read uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's The Outliers? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because when yeah. you say it, it just hit me that he yeah. kind of touches on this in a little bit. Yeah. That certain like how like you know how Bill Gates ended up being built like certain time frames, certain circumstances, certain environments just seem to be perfect for certain people. Yeah, which which you could also use that as an excuse. Say, well, it just didn't line up for me. But when you when you go deeper into it, you realize, well, you can put yourself into more experiences. You know, yeah. the more experiences you have, the more likely you are to run into people. You know, that, that, you know, there's all these different things you can do to kind of stack the deck more in your favor. Now, if you're at home every night, you know, sitting on the couch, well, unfortunately, right. you're locked down for a bit. It's gonna be hard, you know. Well, then you, but then you also have this kind of stuff, man. You yeah, still, you could feed your brain. I was going to say it's different. Like if, if we were going through this when I was a kid, I would have lost my mind, man. Because there was no way I'd be in the house. Impossible, impossible, impossible. I, I have the flu and I'd be, I'm going, I can't stay in the house. Right. Now, but, if, but if you had the same technology that you, we do now when you were a kid, though. Be different. Yeah. But so you, so you have to make but, a choice now. Do I right. use the technology for entertainment or do I use the, you know, to get better, mm -hmm. to to feed my brain, to get prepared for the next level. That's the big, I think that's the big thing is what are you doing with the time you have? Cause we all have the same amount of time. How yeah. can one man become a billionaire and another man is homeless? You know, I don't know. Is it the use of time? Is it circumstances? I think a lot of things play a role, mm -hmm. but in the end we have a lot more control than we act <laughs> like we do. You know, we, we act like we don't have any control of our own attitudes, which I tell, I have a ritual I do with my daughters. I've been doing since, all of them since I started driving to school and it goes just like this. It's like, baby, what kind of day are you going to have? They always say, I'm going to have a great day. And I said, why are you going to have a great day? Because they'll say, I'm going to make it a great day. And my, my, my 11 year old now says, cause you know, and then it's about karma. 
And what she puts out there is what she's going to get back. And I always say before they get out of the car, what are the two things you have total control of today? Just today. And they always say, my actions and my attitude. So I, it's always like, look, your, your teacher might be, my, your teacher might have a bad day today, might piss you off, and you, but you're going to have to make a decision. How do you deal with that? And, and you, you can't say it was my teacher's fault. It's your fault. It's how do you respond or how do you react to that stuff? So your actions, your attitude. And, and, and that's what I teach my kids. And, but so many people run around like, you know, I, I, like people get mad when, it's, when it rains. You know, you, you're having a shitty day because it rained. Well, look, man. <laughs> you know, oh, you're or, having a shitty day because you decided to have a shitty day. You decided to. You woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Dude, push the bed against the wall. Never use that as an excuse to mess up your day and mine. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on now. It's, it's, we're doing it to ourselves. Right, right. Mostly. Now, of course, there, you know, there's some things, you, you know, you, again, if you're, if you're in, a, in a communist country, let's say. Right. You, you know, it's a different thing. You can will yourself where you can talk to yourself all day long. And, you know, it might, if you're in North Korea, it doesn't matter how, how many positive affirmations you use, unless you use those positive affirmations, say, I'm getting to South Korea. I'm getting, right. I'm getting the hell out of here somehow. That, that might be, you know, how some of them get out of North Korea. But, I, you know, it's that stuff I can't call. But here in, here in America, we do have a lot of control and a lot of choices. Now, I, I feel like we're losing some of that. But that's, again, that's a whole other another topic. And I think we're, we're willingly, every year giving up more and more of that but you know i'm not a politician i don't talk i always say i don't talk religion politics or football because people will kill you over all three of those things i just stay out of it completely i'm like all right man i'm 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 with you too i uh i just i look at it from this perspective if if what you said is true and we're slowly slowly losing more and more freedoms whatever that may look like i i I don't want to get into it then wouldn't it be more prevalent for people to get the hell off of their ass and and start to really think about and and move towards whatever it is that they want to do i i really think everyone should earn their own income i don't care if you're an entrepreneur or not i think you should do something where you don't have to rely on a boss to dictate how much money you can create to provide for your family i truly man i i think you're right i guess you know we've been programmed to we've been programmed and conditioned to trade our freedom for green pieces of paper. You know, Carnegie did it when he brought us, you know, everyone was entrepreneurial before the steel mills and all that. We were all either farm the land, you were yeah. trading, you were doing something. Carnegie said, come to my steel mill. I'll, I'll pay you these. I mean, you had a choice. You didn't, even though the conditions weren't great in the beginning, you still had a choice to go in there or not, you know? And, and, but he, then he, then what he do? He owned the real estate around the steel mill, which he controlled that. He owned the stores, but the biggest thing he did is the education system. Now we know Carnegie, you know, all the stuff Carnegie, the Carnegie library, all the stuff, because he knew that he could start conditioning them early on. So the bell that was ringing in the school that he built was the same bell that was ringing in the factory that he built. And so we've had this interesting conditioning forever to give up our freedom for, and look, the government says stay home and we'll give you some money. We'll, we'll give you some extra money to stay home. Yeah. I, I don't know that. I, yeah. I, I can't, it's like Pavlov's dogs. We're getting history we're getting, repeats it's, itself, man. I mean, look at that. That's why I've been saying like our education system, this is another episode, but our education system is, is as old as the industrial revolution. That's where it came from. Yeah. And you're telling me that it still works. Get out of Bro. here with that, dude. Bro. No, no. No, look, when my, when my daughter Carissa comes out of high school and, and I didn't, and this is partly my fault and she doesn't know how to balance a checkbook. Yeah. 
which I never, I, I never, I didn't really get it. I thought, you know, that's basic, whatever, but you know, financial literacy should be mandatory because what are we, what are our biggest challenges when we become adults, how to manage our money, what to, what, how not to spend more than we make, you know, all this stuff. Credit and, cards, all of that. I mean, what uh, happens when you turn 18? You get a, you get a credit card offer. Credit now. card, student loans. Yeah. I, mean, I remember yeah, the first it, credit card that ever came to me was like a $5,000. No, that's a lie. It was an American Express, and it, it didn't have, like, it was called like a, I forget what it is. It's one of those cards where you have to pay the full balance at the end of the month. You know it's called dangerous. It's yeah, called dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. Right? Kid, I had right? no idea. I, I financed my whole music studio with that card. <laughs> yeah. There I am in debt. That's <laughs> you it. Know? So, like, yeah. It's just, they don't teach you the stress that comes after. You know, there's a lot, there's a satisfaction yeah. you get when you spend it. And, but then there's, there's the price you pay afterwards that, that stress, right. you know, that debt is debilitating. Think about it. If you're, you get so far in debt, man, I know I've been there where I can't function properly. I'm like, yeah. I want to suck my thumb in the fetal position all day long. It's like, I, how do I get out of this, man? And, and so it's hard to take that first step, but we could be teaching a lot of this stuff in school and preparing our kids for this. Not, the only way it's happening now is if, if we do it, if we do it ourselves. I don't know why we're not, but you know, we're, uh, we're, I, I don't know why we're not either other than the, I, I would find it to be control is the, is the control co- consumerism. Yeah. We run the whole economy. Look, we run the whole economy. Like give someone a stimulus check. They go to Gucci store. You know, that's, that's good for the economy. That's good. Right. You know, go buy a bunch of shit on Amazon. You know, that, that, that's how we run our whole economy. Not, we're not, not instead not of invested. teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Not, we're not teaching. Yeah. What if you took that money and and invest well you get it man <laughs> we could talk about this all day right long, but but people are listening you know I, yeah. I don't have the biggest audience but you know 30 to fifty thousand people per episode is pretty significant you could touch a lot of lives man you, know, you only need one you, right 100 percent. and so the thing is is that i i, I just want to end with this is that i think if people were if people were aware of everything that's around them that can benefit them and they got up because here's the thing america is like that 20 year old that is comfortable living at home with mom and dad. There's really no risk there. Like there's no urgency to do something. How many people go to university college and get a communications degree for what? Like, what are the, what is a communicate? <laughs> You're going to learn how to talk to people, yeah. go to one fucking seminar from yeah. someone that knows what the hell they're doing. And that's all you need. You don't have to spend whatever it is, 30, 40 grand. It blows my mind, like how everything is backwards. And you're right. We are conditioned. Unfortunately, we've been conditioned for a very, very long time. And the ones that, that stand out are the rebels, the outliers. The guys are just like, I've, I've had a problem with authority ever since I was born. Okay. I'm from, I'm from Lebanon. So I, I, I grew up there. My, my perspective on the world is different, but at the same time, it's it it doesn't give you an excuse because I have younger siblings that spent a little bit of time there and now they're really comfortable and they live at home with mom and dad and they have no urgency and they're going nowhere. They're just here, just standing still, running in place. And all I want to do is grab them and shake them. Wake yeah. the fuck up. Yeah. You know? But it doesn't work. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. Anyway. Well, and the kids are the kids are fragile today, man. It, 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 they are the, my, my mentors would tell me to shut the fuck up. You're, you're an idiot. You're messing up. 
get rid of your ego. I mean, they would slap me around and I, and I, I, I didn't, you know, bash him on social media after that. I didn't, you know, get pissed off and put him down. Now, I, when people hit me up for advice, I say, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear or do you want the truth? Because, you know, I've been in a situation where I've told the truth to someone and then they're mad at me and they're, you know, they're bashing me everywhere. I'm like, I, I want to help you, but I don't, do you really want to be helped? Or do you just want me to, you know, uh, reinforce the bad decisions and the bad behaviors you've already made to justify why you're in the position you're in. So it's an interesting time, man. But I look, I appreciate the time we got. We clicked pretty well, man. It was this was this was good, man. I, I enjoyed it. This was this was good time. This was a lot of fun. And if there's anything you want me to take out, let me know. I'll edit it out of there. No, man. I'm like, look, I'm open book, brother. This, you know. And I appreciate that. And I love that. I'm very similar in that sense. Go to habitsofthefew.com.